If you want to support the show, the best way you can is through any of the books or current ongoing Vela shorts that are being released on a regular basis. The easiest way to find this is to go to bitbit.ly slash tmrbooks, and you'll have links there to everything. All of my Kindle books are available for free. If you have Kindle Unlimited, you don't have to pay anything. You get it with your subscription. You can read them all. They're all in screenplay format. That includes Swan Song, The Muses, Duet, In the End. Our past does not define us. Anything else that I've written that's available on Kindle, it's available there. You can buy a soft cover if you want. Uh, there's a hardcover collection of all of the Swan Song books all combined into one. That's available as a hardcover. You can pre-order Echo Alpha, which is coming out in November. All of these things are available if you go uh, on Amazon. But quick link, if you go bitbit.ly slash tmrbooks, I have them all there nice, easily cataloged. Also down toward the bottom, we have the Kindle Vela content. Uh, the first three episodes are always free. And then after that, um, there's a token system that you can use to to you know, read. Even if you don't like it, just give it a thumbs up. Uh, that way we can get it up higher so more people see it. So one final time, that's bitbit.ly slash tmrbooks. And every Wednesday, there's a new Vela book that goes up. Taser and Acrobat, Nanite and Rosebud, Tales from Another World, and The Alchemist and the Illusionist. All go up on Wednesdays, and it's all available on uh, Kindle Vela. All of this is available at bit.ly slash tmrbooks. Sorry to overload the front, but before we start, one final thing. If you can please go on Apple Podcasts, if that's how you listen, and give us a five-star rating, that would mean a lot. We're trying to get on to uh, Rotten Tomatoes and sites like that, and we need to get more reviews to be accepted. So if you can go on and give us a five-star review there, that would be amazing. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, We appreciate everything you guys do when you listen. Welcome to Beware of Spoilers. I am Adam. Second episode today. It has been a very busy day today. Um, so I saw um, The Last Duel, which I was going to see last week on Friday. Story time. Uh, I'm going to keep it from getting too, you know, disgusting. But, like, you ever, like, if you've been to Disney, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. You ever been out somewhere and it's just really hot and it's just you get, like, sweaty? And then you go inside somewhere air-conditioned and you just get that sticky feeling like all over and it's just disgusting and gross and then you're sitting there self-conscious like does everyone else around me know how disgusting I am right now like this is awful um long long way around to say that's why I did not see the last duel last Friday um I did watch Halloween Kills on my phone because I was able to do that from the comfort of my bed um and you know I'm, I'm a giant wuss so I wasn't gonna go see that in theaters um but Halloween, but The Last Duel is not available on VOD, it is theatrical only, um, and I went to, I was going to see that last Friday and then opted out of it, and then on Saturday I made the poor decision of seeing Hard Rock Love Song, um, no, Hard Luck Love Song, uh, which was a shitty movie altogether. Um, then, busy week, Dune happened, watched Dune again yesterday because it's a fantastic movie, if you have not seen Dune yet, please see Dune. 
preferably in theater, not on HBO Max. I cannot stress that enough. Not just because if we want a sequel to happen, it needs to have asses in seats in a theater, but because the movie needs to be seen on a, on a big screen. Um, and here we are with The Last Duel. And this is a movie that um, I would not have ordinarily gone out to see in a theater if it weren't for the fact that um, the other movie that was coming out that was out this weekend that I wanted to see was Mass. And my theater only had one screening of Mass today, and it was at 4.45, and I didn't want to go to the movies at 4.45, then get out at 7 and, you know, on my day off. That was not... Sorry, I'm, I'm being completely honest with you. I'm, I mean, like, that, that that's a long day. Um, so, after doing a two-hour Dune podcast early in the day, um, on top of that. So, I saw The Last Duel, and um, it, it it is one of those movies that is poignant in a way that it definitely intended to be, but it doesn't come off heavy-handed in it. Because the movie's an indictment of uh, systemic misogyny, especially when it comes to what is referred to by the press as, you know, quote-unquote rape culture, which is how, um, when we look at broadly how, um, I'm not even the right person to explain this at all, um, how we deal with sexual assault allegations, how we as a people treat the victims of sexual assault after they've come forward, um, and all of that. It, it's not something that um, is well, you know, it's well documented that this is a problem, um, and this movie shines a light on that. Um, from a from a standpoint of that and how well it handles the subject matter that it sets out to do, I think it does it very well because it doesn't portray um, any character besides um, Jodie Comer in a positive light. Like, no one's a good person in this movie. It's kind of like if you watched Tiger King last year um, and you're watching this and you're like, every person in this is more fucked up than the last and, like, I don't really, like... There's no one here you can feel good about being like, oh, they're a good person and I want them to succeed. It's like, no, every single one of them's a shithead and, and every one of them feel, is worse than the other. In this movie, it's really just Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Adam Driver who are all shitheads and are all tel- terrible people. But at the same time, you know, it's it, when we get to the end of the movie, uh, people get their due. Uh, from a more technical standpoint, everything about this movie is fine. The action sequences are very well shot and... For something like this, it's not the focal point of the movie, but it's a nice little um, flair or garnish to the movie where it's like, it would have been easy to dismiss the movie outright if the action sequences weren't well shot, be it the the sequences at war when we see uh, Matt Damon go out and face off against all kinds of, you know, if we, like, it, that's the kind of thing that if, it, if it's poor, if we look at, if we look at the action sequences, and they aren't good, it makes it easier to say this movie sucked. Um, because, like, the action sequences weren't good, and then it's like, and then it has a, a message that if you don't agree with, it's easy to dismiss the movie outright based on that. But no, it, they're, they're actually very well shot, well, very well choreographed. You can keep track of what's going on. There are, you know, you feel the the energy of these battle sequences, and you feel the stakes, and you feel all of that. Especially when we get to the third act, and we have the dual... Um, the titular duel happening between uh, Matt Damon and Adam Driver, and you, you get to that point, and and you understand, and everything kind of lands, and you feel it. It felt like um, at the end of *The Revenant*, 
when uh, DiCaprio is facing off against Tom Hardy. Um, and that, that fight, while small in scale, like the stakes aren't world-ending or country-ending or universe-ending or anything like that. You, you like it's 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 a very like intimate thing that would end up happening if they lose. Where um, should Matt Damon lose? And you don't want to root for Matt Damon because he's a shitty person, but you end up rooting for him because what happens to Jodie Comer should she should Matt Damon lose? Um, so you don't want that to happen to her. So you begrudgingly are like, all right, I guess I'll hope this guy wins. And you watch, and as you're watching those stakes kind of come to life over the course of this, over the course of the fight. Um, the dialogue is great. I think my only criticism of the dialogue would be it's weird. The movie takes place in France. Everyone has very French names, but everyone's doing a British accent. Uh, it's just kind of a bizarre, like, not even bizarre, just kind of a weird choice. Like, I guess if everyone was doing French accents, it'd be weird, too. Um, but... The British accent is kind of the weird thing, especially when you got people like Ben and Matt who kind of go in and out with the accent. Um, the only person who commits to the British accent is Jodie Comer, who is, you guessed it, British. Um, so I, I think the other thing that I really like is the way the story is told. Is It's not told in a straightforward, here's what happened it is three versions of the same story, and not three versions of the same story where you get um, everything the same each time and you just see a slightly different take on each thing. It's you get different information. There, there are certain keynote, like keystone moments of each thing, and because each one of these things falls a different person's perspective, be it Matt Damon, be it Adam Driver, be it Jodie Comer, because each one follows them separately, you get different different views of the Keystone moments and different um, events that lead up to it because it's as they see them in importance. So, like, in the lead-up to the the trial, which is the end of everyone's story, um, we have, like, for, for Matt Damon, we see every time that he has been slighted by uh, Adam Driver. And every everything that happened, be it real or perceived, every time... Uh, Matt Damon gets something that he wanted. Um, we see that from his perspective. So we get to the end. We understand why he's willing to do this and why when his wife makes his accusation, why he's willing to put her life in jeopardy just to win the, just to win the, uh, what's it called? Just to, to be able to kill him legally without going extrajudiciously. Um, so you can like, again, it's like when you see a movie and it's like, you know, I understand where Magneto is coming from. He's not doing the right thing, but I under like I understand what he's doing. Like you know, the the the, the bit from Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, cool motive, still murder. Like you can you can understand where a victim comes from, or where a, where a villain comes from, or where bad decisions come from, without also saying, oh, okay, let's do that. Like you can look at this and say, oh, I see how this works, and then not, you know, while not also being like, oh, okay, that's the right thing to do. Um, so then we see Adam Driver's perspective, which is, it opens up immediately with a jarring view of the first thing, which is the battle sequence where, you know, we see Matt Damon on the front lines and he's like, we're going to go into battle. And then everyone goes into battle and they lose the, the battle. But we see it when we see it from Adam Driver's perspective, uh, Matt Damon does that. And everyone's like, what the fuck is he doing? And it's like, well, we can't just leave him because then he'll end up dead We get, and he'll give away our position. So we got to do this now anyway. 
So we, we get the sense of why is he treated like a buffoon? And it's like, well, here's why he's treated like a buffoon. As we see this from someone else's perspective, we see that it was a bad decision that was done purely for, you know, him wanting glory. And it's like, yeah, he goes to war all the time, but how much of that is um, is because he wants to go to war versus him, you know, not knowing what to do? And we get a little bit of that in Jody Comer's story in a little bit. But what happens is Adam Driver, because he friends with Ben Affleck, and I don't remember the characters' names because they're all French, but I'm going to use actor names because they're basically interchangeable. Um, you, when you see these, when you, when you see them interact, uh, Ben Affleck and, and Adam Driver, it's a very frat boy kind of mentality around everyone there, where it's like everything is sexually tinged and everyone is trying, like, you know, it, it's just this big, you know, frat room mentality or locker room mentality, to use the phrase of someone who had an p- important position recently. Um, this good locker room talk all around. And then, you know, we, we see, like, Matt Dan- uh, Ben Affleck's having orgies, and, you know, it, it's just a big deal. Like, like, it, like, that's what's going on. And now that he's in this group, he kind of has different rules that apply to him. Where he's, you know, because he's he's there and this is what he's doing, he's able to have multiple affairs, you know, hook up with multiple women, which is something that's not what everyone else is doing, but he's doing it. So, all of this is happening, and then um, he he does, we get to the end, and we find out that, w- we see what happened in, in the rape. And we get to this point where, you know, I was shocked at this point because, like, when they get to the rape, they show it as a rape. It's not rose-colored goggles from his perspective. It's she's visibly not willing to be involved in this situation. It is a very, like, it is graphic, like, the way it's done. And it's it's not, you know, it, it's not, like, you know, done in a way to romanticize or, like, where it's, like, he's doing it and it's, like, oh, this is what I want, like, she wanted the whole time. And then we get to the the aftermath where after they've started telling everyone what happened and, and, and you know, he when, he, when he's doing that, he's, like, you know, well, she wanted it. But we, the viewer, know, well, that's not the case. We watched with our own eyes what happened. And this isn't even her perspective. It's his perspective. Um, so then, you know, we get to the trial again. Then we see Jodie Comer's version of events and we see, you know, how Matt Damon was only really interested in the land and that was the big thing he really cared about and how, um, how the doctors even were, were, were making it to the point where, you know, it was making her doubt her ability to, you know, have a kid, uh, have a kid and, you know, doubt her marriage and, and all of that. And it's a, you know, it's kind of a a big, you know, deal about how, you know, systemically. And when we get to see her story in full and we see why she, you know, why her relationship with her husband's falling apart and all of that. And we see certain things happen from different perspectives. um, It really breaks down the story in a way that we can see what happened and why we got to this point. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting use of the storytelling device. I saw a lot of people have a problem with it, and I do agree to an extent that 
watching the same story three times with certain keynote events happening over and over again, especially when you have a three and a half hour runtime, can feel cumbersome. Um, and at like at times it can feel repetitive and it can slow down the pacing to the point where it's like you can have momentum building. And then when we, we get back to the same point, it slows the momentum back down because then it puts us into a frame of reference as to where we are compared to the rest of the movie. And that can have that effect. I didn't really bump into it. Um, except for the third time we saw the, the reunion of um, Adam Driver and um, what is it? And, uh, and, and Matt Damon. Um, that was when I really bumped into it the first time. But at that point, you're already in the movie for like two hours or an hour 45 or something like that. So it's not something that you're going to like, I didn't bump into it. Granted, I also didn't bump into little women's, um, like tiered storytelling. And this is the kind of thing I've noticed too, where it's like, again, if this was Nolan doing this and this was a, you know, a, a movie where, um, like what's it called? Where, um, it's just a guy going through like an action sequence and they're doing the same thing over and over again. And, if it was directed by Nolan, it wouldn't be a problem, as evidenced by Dunkirk. Um, but because of the story of uh, what a woman goes through, that's different. And I think that's my biggest criticism of the movie, is that this movie is ultimately about what happens to a woman. Like, it is fundamentally about the sexual assault of this woman. Um, not sexual assault of this woman, the rape. It, it, it is a, a full-on rape of this woman. And that's what this movie is ultimately about, but at the same time, it's it's not about her. Like, the shortest chapter of the three chapters, um, well, really four, prologue and then three chapters, um, or in media res opening and then three chapters, is hers and her version of the events that happen. Ultimately, the most important version of what happened is what would happen to her. Um, and I think that, like, that's really where the move. that's what I bump into more than anything else is that it's a movie about a sexual assault designed to look like a movie about systemic misogyny and institutional misogyny and and how you know power can can be used as a weapon to 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 implement misogyny but at the same time when we get to the third act of this movie it's it's all about you know punchy punchy and it's like yeah, like, I get it's based on a true story, and I get that's what it's all, it's all about, but there was a better way to do it, and I'm not saying Ridley Scott's a bad director or anything like that, but maybe there was a more, like, careful hand that could have told this story, and I think that that's ultimately why I bump into a little bit with this. It's not a bad movie. That doesn't make it a bad movie, but I think that it, maybe had a woman directed it, it would have solved that problem. Like, think about, like, Promising Young Woman, which is the movie I'm going to, at the end of this, say, if you don't want to go see it in theaters, go see Promising Young Woman. You can get it on HBO Max. Um, think about Promising Young Woman for a minute, where it's a story of uh, of a girl whose best friend um, is sexually assaulted in college and, if I remember correctly, commits suicide. So she goes out, kind of like a vigilante, acting drunk, and then when guys try to um, rape her, she, you know, does it, and the entire thing, and she kills him, or, like, castrates them, or, like, beats the shit out of them, or, I don't remember what she does to them, but she does something to them, when, when they try to, when they try to take advantage of her, 
And if you look at that movie and how that movie kind of works, there's this revenge movie about the, this woman going through and, and, and trying to find everyone involved with what happened to her friend. And I think ultimately that's, that movie has a little bit more care to it uh, in the way the story is told. And the story is about the same thing, where it's about how, um, how uh, like power can be used to cover up atrocities and, and things like that. But at the same time, it, it has a, a, a more careful hand in how it tells the story. And it's, it's told less with a sledgehammer and more with a pickaxe, so to say. Um, that's not to say this is bad. I'm saying that again. This movie is not bad. And from a technical aspect, it's a beautiful movie. I, I'm expecting this movie to get at least a cinematography, um, Oscar nomination, maybe a editing. Um, because the way the movie's broken down and the way it turns the, the, the three different stories into a story device where it's told in an interesting way, I think this movie does that very well. Um, and I think it's worth seeing in theaters, if only for the spectacle of it. If you don't see it in IMAX, seeing it on a big screen, you still get that spectacle. And I think that, like, the spectacle of medieval fights on a big screen and the way they built the sets and all of that stuff is worth seeing on the big screen, plus the fact that you aren't distracted. We talked about this a little bit earlier with the, with the Dune review, that watching it on the big screen, you're not distracted if you're watching it in a theater. If you're watching it on your phone... Or your TV, you're gonna get up to take a shit. You're gonna get up to make popcorn. You're gonna get up to get food. You're gonna get up. You're gonna answer your phone. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do this, and you're gonna you know miss some. And I think that the the true impact of this story comes best when you sit and watch it all the way through in one sitting, without anything distracting you as you as you do it. Um, because again, it's easy to dismiss that if you're not paying attention and you're like, well, I missed something, and it's like, well, this movie's fault. Well, no, it's your fault. But um, I would recommend you see this movie. Um, I would say this is more of a matinee kind of movie um, at this point. Um, not worth seeing on a premium screen. Um, they probably don't have it in premium screens anymore because like Halloween opened the week after and then this one opened, uh, what's it called? Oh no, that was last week. These are all blurring together. Um, but we'll wrap up there for today. Um, this coming Wednesday, I'm seeing Last Night in Soho at a preview screening on Wednesday night. So... We will have a Last Night in Soho review a day early. So get ready for that. Um, we also have next Friday or Saturday, depending on my schedule, um, we will have a review of um, The French Dispatch, the upcoming Wes Anderson movie that I'm, or I think it's out again already in some territories or some regions in the United States, but not where I am. So we're going to get it then and we're going to do it then. I'm looking forward to that one too. Um, so French Dispatch on Friday or Saturday, Wednesday, we have, um, what's the other one? Uh, Last Night in Soho. And then um, after that, Eternals. Um, Marvel Studios' next big entry uh, from uh, the reigning best director at the Academy Awards, Chloe Zhao. And also that weekend, uh, Spencer, the movie about Princess Diana. Uh, looks very interesting, and I think that that's going to be a movie where... Um, uh, Kristen Stewart's going to be directed to an Academy Award nomination. So we'll see. We'll see how this all goes. Uh, so uh, until next time, uh, have a great rest of your week. Do you like the show? Do you hate the show? Are you indifferent to the show? No matter what, you should probably let us know what we're doing so we can change it 
to better suit you, the listener's needs. You can go to either bit.ly slash boscontact, which is a contact form page you can use. Also, you can just email us directly at 30minutereviews at gmail.com. If you have questions that you would like us to answer, we can answer them on the air. We have a few questions every week that will be selected to be answered on air. Um, So if you want to tell us what we should do, or if you have a suggestion for a movie or a TV show or something we should cover, go to bitbit.ly slash boscontact, and also email us 30minutereviews at gmail.com.